Checking in on another Tuesday, another session of Running With War, War Media here on YouTube and on Twitter, on my Twitter page, Cal Means, uh, K Means, uh, Means Matters is my Twitter, that's what it is. But uh, getting getting it in, another session with, well, one of the, one of the regular runners is here. I don't know where the rest of my guys is, but. Hopefully they'll be checking in at some point soon. But in in lieu of that, we got a nice guest here, uh, definitely a friend of the show, and uh, a, definitely a, a friend to many, Mr. Tony Gill, uh, podcast producer of uh, NBC Sports Chicago, and uh, who, who I call James Earl June J- James Earl Jones Jr. because he's the <laughs> He's the voiceover. He's about to be the voiceover king in a minute. But uh, yeah, Tony, he already there. Tony, I think he already there, Kyle. Nah, yeah, man. He, 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 he about to be there. He, he about to be there. He got to get them gigs outside of of, of NBC though. But he, but he gonna get yeah. them soon. But he he had a nice gig on on a nice nice thing on Friday. It was Friday, right, with the home opener. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, you were the first voice that people heard on that on that broadcast. And beyond that, you know, Adam Amin shouted you out. You know, after mm-hmm. you went off, and like I, th- I don't know if it was the ESPN uh, clip package. Uh, oh, here goes Josh, or the uh, the league package on YouTube. But they kept they kept the mean shout out to you on there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You could you could hear him shout out Tony Gill, and this you know being played over hundreds of thousands of times on YouTube. But uh, Tony, yo, Tony's here. You know, for the beginning of the show, he's got to dip in a little bit. But I wanted to get into a couple of things with him. Of course, get his opinion on the Bulls and everything. But I I want I want to get into a couple of things towards that end. You know, sort of professionally as well. You know. Mm-hmm. We've we've sort of been along for the ride with you, uh, you know, from working with Dean Davis through the score, and you know, you you know, producing with Lawrence Holmes and everything, and that's you know, you left that gig to go to NBC Sports, and now now at this point, you, you know, you 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 kind of blue check tone now, and you <laughs> you know, you got you got your thing going and. You know, uh, people are hearing your voice and noticing you and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. when you when you first made that leap from the score to NBC, were you did you envision these sort of things happening for you? Um, thanks, Africa, ask for having me on. What's up, Josh? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, every step you take, right, uh, every step up, every new opportunity, you want to take full advantage of it. Uh, and I just kind of view it as kind of natural progression as you move on to the next thing. Uh, I don't I, I, I don't want to make another move unless it's a more of an opportunity than my last one. Um, and I, you know, so far it's been kind of that steady progression of every time you know, I get another gig or um, I get another opportunity somewhere else. Uh, there's always been more opportunities, more chances to reach a new audience. Uh, and that intrigues me. 
So, I mean, if I, I, you know, every time I get that feeling of nervousness, like, oh, man, I've never done this before, or, uh, ah, man, I, this is a new audience that has never seen me before, or don't know me, um, I know that's a good feeling. Uh, that That's a feeling that you're supposed to have when you're about to do something uh, good and you're about to achieve something um, that you've never done before. So uh, I, th- I like to think that I try to envision, you know, what my future is like, but um, I don't stay there too long because I got to execute uh, in the present to get there to uh, the, the the future things that I that I want. That's that's you know pretty much speaking of being in the moment and being of the moment and and you know being you know aware in a way that isn't that doesn't constrict you or keep you from doing things. It just opens you up you know, to, mm-hmm. to new experiences and new opportunities. And that's something that's, you know, a, a very valuable way to, to look at, at things that, that as you grow and mature as a professional, you know, mm-hmm. with, with the, with the voiceovers in particular, because you've done a few now of, mm-hmm. of, of importance with NBC and like Sox games and stuff. Other, you know, I think you did opening day for the Sox this year, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, when did you first start getting into that? And, you know, how did that first opportunity come to you to do something like that? Um, Actually, my first voicing, you know, venture particularly was with the uh, James Jordan project that I did with Julie DeCarroll. Uh, right. You did. Yeah, you did. Narrate yeah, that was, yeah. that was kind of like my very first step into narration uh, and just kind of you know, using my voice strictly just to, you know, move people other than just talking on the radio or whatever. Um, and uh, I had that experience going into this new gig. And the one of the first bigger projects that we did was uh, the I'm Back uh, episode for NBC Sports right. uh, yeah. National. Um, and I just read it because we didn't have anybody, you know, to read it. I was just reading it for the demo. Um, just mm-hmm. so we can have something to present uh, for the test trial to our, you know, for NBC National. Uh, and they were like, yeah, I didn't, you should keep doing that. And that's kind of <laughs> where, you know, they were like, I was like, okay, well, it's cheaper than trying to, you know, pay somebody else to do it. And, you know, <laughs> I, know my, <laughs> I know my own voice, you know, I know how to produce my own voice than, you know, working with another talent, which, you know, I wanted to, you know, work with other people to see if they can, you know, voice it. But uh, once I did the read, they were like, yeah, uh, we don't envision anybody else reading this, you know, script uh, than you. So um, from there, it became the highest downloaded thing in, you know, uh, NBC podcast history. It still has holds that record. Um, And then from then on, they were like, yeah, we're just going to throw you some stuff, you know, here and there. And I was like, cool. Uh, I mean, I could use the experience. It seems like a fun thing to do. And, you know, obviously hearing yourself on TV is is pretty cool. So uh, that's kind of how everything kind of all started at, you know, beginning of my voicing venture. And then the beginning at NBC, where it's kind of like right away, they they were like, yeah, we like the way you say words. So here you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, cool, cool. That's, that's, I never knew that. I never knew that story exactly. I've known that you've done these projects, but I didn't know how you came. Uh, upon doing these particular things in the projects, mm-hmm. that's cool. And and you know, I, I'm I fortunately can speak a bit to 
the sort of team dynamic that is at NBC Sports Chicago now. And it's mm-hmm. it seems it's very much like it, it's sort of intimate in the way. Even there's a lot of talented folks there and mm-hmm. quite a few people in general. Like, you know, just it's a real professional uh, uh you know out a uh, professional outfit. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like on the day to day, we all rely on each other in in very specific ways, and mm-hmm. a lot there's a lot of overlap with things that people do, and you know it's, it's pretty it's, it can be it can seem pretty intimate in the way, and uh, you know opportunities come from that you know, so it's it's pretty cool to see how you know to get informed about how you can make more opportunities when you get in the door, you know, hopefully mm. I make some opportunities for myself. Yeah. <laughs> but mm. the way that you've really done things has have been really inspiring. And, uh, you know, I think for anybody who gets in the game and who, you know, finds themselves in a situation where they're in, in a big, you know, sort of corp- corporate or established uh, you know, because you know, a lot of people who are going to be watching this or listening to this are coming from uh, you know, independent backgrounds, or they haven't, mm-hmm. or they just they haven't had those big jobs yet. And uh, you know, I think you definitely set a, a a good example of being able to transition and keep moving up the ladder and doing things in a natural way that's fun and not you know, uh, it keeps you you know really progressing in a mm-hmm. in an interesting way. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's just all a part of just be you. Like I know Matt Nagy says that all the time, but, <laughs> but you gotta I mean, find the why too. be right. you to find the why. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, as long as you just be yourself and then hone the craft that you want to, you know, accomplish, uh, be humble you know, work hard, all those things, people will notice, you know, it may, it may take a while. Um, it may, you know, be hard sometimes and the, the grindy stages, you know, you gotta, you know, some late nights and stuff like that. But if you truly love what you do, uh, and love the business that you're in, it's gonna, people are going to notice and people are going to know that, oh man, this dude's genuine. He's a grinder or she's a grinder. Uh, they work hard. Um, and it doesn't go unnoticed. Like none of that stuff goes unnoticed uh, once you put in the work. So yeah, you're right. You're right. Like if taking advantage of every space that you're in, it, if it's something that you're not comfortable doing, learn it. Mm-hmm. You know, what, whatever opportunities. Because to be honest, like they're not pe- companies. They aren't gonna say no to a lot of things, especially if you're willing to put in the work. Like it's yeah. hard for them to say no to somebody that wants to work hard. Like and, and if, if and like you said before, if you could save them money and get them mm-hmm. clicks, yeah, you do either <laughs> one of those things. That's a good way to go. Yeah, that's a that's a a, a huge step up when bosses and people uh, that are the the gatekeepers, you know, of of media. Um, that's how you get your foot in the door. Oh, this person's always here. This person's really aggressive. This person is consistent. Um, and that's what they that's what they're looking for. And then once they see that, okay, this person is consistent, they're passionate, uh, and they work hard, and then they do good work as well. It's like they can't they can't deny you, you know, w- when you say, hey, I want to do this, I want to try this, because you have the history and the background to to for them to lean on and say, okay, this person is going to do this justice. 
right, right. And well, there you go. We give give you a little bit of game here at the top of the show. You know, uh, you know, media game there with with Tony. And uh, you know, before before you go, you know, get about ten more minutes here with Tony. I, you know, I, I definitely brought you on to get your opinion on the early bull play of the Bulls and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, let, let's just start with that. You know, four and zero start the first since uh, ninety six, ninety seven, I believe. And uh, Josh, every, you, was, every... you was born, Josh. Ninety <laughs> four, <laughs> baby, ninety four. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how long we talking about, man. But every time they've done, they've done it three times, and. Uh, Every time they've done it, they've at least got to the semifinals of the East. Of course, two two times they did it during the dynasty, so they won titles of those those times. Uh, but you know, p- pretty impressive stuff. You know, they they uh, had a couple two of the games, the, the opening game against Detroit, and yesterday uh, was a little bit uh, tighter at the end than you than you might want. Hmm. But it's it's a it's probably a, you know some people look at it as a good thing that. These are the these were the type of games that they would easily lose as as recently as last year, and uh, they're they're pulling out these sort of games now early on, and uh, you know some good things being established here. So, you know, I'll start with you, Tony. You know, what's your thoughts overall on on the team and the you know and the way that they're uh, performing? Those a lot of scoring, some some good defense, some timely defense at least. And uh, you know, a lot of talent. Uh, it's been a long time we see this much talent in the Bulls uniform. Yeah, and you know, the bar was so low, even for this once we even knew the final roster. Like the bar was so low for this team. It's like you don't wanna, you know, put too much on them because you know you're gonna be disappointed. Like I'm pretty sure you guys are watching, you know, last night's game, uh, and just was like Okay, here it goes again. Like this is new group, same thing as that lead was slipping, but they didn't. Like I mean, they lost the rebounding battle. Um, there was the the turnovers in the fourth quarter, um, the uh, the slippage in defense in the fourth quarter, but they still won. And I I, I don't think that is depressing. I got a, uh, we put out the Bulls Talk podcast yesterday and they were like, oh man, this podcast sounds so depressing. And I didn't think so. I'm like, look how far the Bulls have come where they were losing 20 point leads last year. And now they're winning those games. Uh, They don't look dejected. They don't look lost when teams punch back and teams are going to punch back. And that's all you want from, you know, the team that, you know, you're covering or, you know, for a fan that you're rooting for is when things get hard, don't don't just sit down and just take it. Pause. You know, (laughs) you got to fight, bro. (laughs) Like you got to keep going. And then Zach having that person to be that number two score that he can trust. And I think this is a big thing. And as much as it's still early, early in the season, it's only been four games. I think that game will be important for Zach Levine for this season, knowing that he can trust someone um, after he was told Lowry is supposed to be his number two and then Lowry being inconsistent. And then Kobe was supposed to be his number two and Kobe's been inconsistent and he just never had anybody. And now it seems like he has that either in Vooch or uh, in, in DeMar DeRozan. So last night's game and the last four games have been, 
exciting. It's been it's been exciting. Um, and we kind of knew this was going to happen. Like it, for the next two, at least two seasons, the Bulls <laughs> should be a playoff team, and they should be ex- exciting to watch. Now, past that, we can go over that. You know, when that time comes. But for the next two years, the Bulls are going to be contending for playoff uh, position, and it's it's certainly refreshing. A shout out to D uh, coming in yeah. with a couple of. Early chats, definitely a good guy who's provided me and Tony and all of us mm-hmm. with opportunities. Uh, and uh, you know, he, he he says that last night was a good learning experience for the team. I, yeah, definitely, definitely could uh, agree with that. I think though they're gonna learn a lot more in the next two weeks. And uh, me and uh, next couple of weeks, you know, me and Drew uh, on Monday night means yesterday went over a little bit of the schedule coming up, and mm-hmm. we're gonna do that. Again later in this show, but uh, yeah, they got some the, the competition gonna ramp up a bit uh, coming up. But like I said, it's good to see them not choke games and not necessarily play down the competition, at least in mm-hmm. the most important parts of games. But uh, I, we sort of just nibbling on on stuff that we're gonna talk about for the for the remainder of the hour here uh, with Tony as we as we still got him. And uh, another thing that I, I wanted to get your opinion on is the NBA 75 ah, since we have yes. And I know you have some strong opinions on that <laughs> and on some of the, the people who made it in particular. So Fam, it's nothing like a good list, right? To rile up a crowd, right? Like that's exactly. the go-to for all sports media. Put out a list, mm-hmm. you going viral. And the yeah. NBA, the NBA knows what they're doing because they know mm-hmm. who, who talks about the NBA the most on Twitter and all that stuff. So they they got they got everybody riled up. I still think they should have held out to the the uh all-star break. But mm-hmm. you know, they I guess I think their reasoning was they want people to sp- speak about it right away and get into it and sort of di- uh dissect it throughout the season and it looks like mm-hmm. that's part that may be the case in a lot of ways, but I, I thought they should have. I thought they should have released it in pieces throughout the season. Yeah, like, yeah, that's why you keep the conversation. And I thought the NBA got a little soft too by not ranking them. <laughs> See that? <laughs> yeah, that a bit too. I, I think people who, who voted on it said it was it was hard enough to to leave people to to decide the list in general. Mm-hmm. To rank it would have been like you know that have been kind of hellish, and, <laughs> and then. You know, it, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. It's been interesting. I think I've seen like, I think like Slam has put out some lists though, where people have uh, listed guys, and mm-hmm. you know, I've seen Mike come in number one more or less, and that's that's all I want to see. See, that's the thing. Like, I don't really care. <laughs> I don't really care about two B seventy four. Just get one right, and, right. and we'll be cool. You know, no, it, you, Tony, you dropped the bomb right there. You talk about the the, the ESPN and the Sports Illustrated top 100s and the way people mm-hmm. were going crazy about that. I couldn't even imagine. You talk about the 75 greatest players ever and trying to nitpick who's going to be where and what eras this guy played in and what's mm-hmm. going to happen. He played in this era. That would have been ridiculous to say the hey, least. That's, that's that's why you got historians. That's why you got all these people dedicated to the. It's their job to do that stuff to put out a yeah. definitive list. Uh, for the it, for the NBA, it would have been the biggest thing all season, like all season, as he dropped the first twenty five, and then uh, wait to All Star break to drop the second twenty five, and then heading into the playoffs, he dropped the last, 
25 and have everybody go crazy. Like, <laughs> definitely would have added to the drama. It, it added to yeah. the suspense. Because on the third mm-hmm. day, people was like, oh, well, is, is, I haven't seen this person yet or seen this person. Who uh, Are they going to make it or not? And mm-hmm. I guess the one guy who I wanted to get your opinion on, and D, D brings him up, you know, uh, is Reggie Miller. Mm-hmm. You know, Reggie makes the team, and he, you know, he was pretty surprised, I guess. He, at least he faked yeah, he the, he the surprise <laughs> on TNT. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I know you, you've had some strong opinions about him throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Now, it, you know... I don't know. I don't know if Reggie is necessarily a you had to be there player. I mm-hmm. think there's some explicit ways that you can express his importance to a particular era. But I don't know. You you go off T right quick before you know, you go off and, and and tell me what what's your final uh your final verdict on on Reggie? Yeah, I mean, uh, I just what else did Reggie do? <laughs> you know, it's like it's it's a reason why, right? Like he didn't win the championship. It's obviously because of Jordan for the most part, right? But, and Kobe and Shaq. Right, and, and Kobe and Shaq. And and again, but all great players play against great players, right? And how you perform in those moments is how we define your career. Um when you think about the 75 best and greatest players in, you know, in the NBA and obviously nobody is, you know, outside of, you know, Jordan and, you know, LeBron is, is kind of excellent at everything, but if all you can do is shoot, right. And I can name three off top. That's better than you. It's like, I mean, I just, <laughs> I, I, I get it. It's, it's, you know, Ken, Ken Davis, he always gets on me. It's one of those, you had to be there and watch Reggie and they built a team, you know, around him and those teams were tough and stuff like that. I think it's a credit more to um, the GMs that helped put those pieces together around Reggie to make those teams, you know, really good. Not saying Reggie Miller isn't great and, you know, he isn't a Hall of Famer. He is in a Hall of Fame, but I just don't think, I, like I think Clay Thompson's better than him. I think he took a spot away from Dwight Howard. Like you can even throw in Bernard King if if, if you want to, um, you know, fight that fight. Uh, but yeah, I I just thought there were those three in particular should have been on on the list for me. Oh. And yeah, Reggie, I'm I'm kind of out on him. I think I, I I agree with you in that he is in that same space with those players that you mentioned and a few others. And I think Reggie's lack of a team, and I think his mm-hmm. his numbers in bulk hurt him, mm-hmm. or numbers just on paper kind of hurt him if you look at him compared with others. I think the biggest argument for him though is his moments, and mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right, me, all right, his, <laughs> his moments. He had he had some defining moments in the nineties, and also the game. So did Robert Horry. Yes, Robert Horry did. He he had, he had quite a few moments. Reggie, I think, helped mature the game in a way with the three pointer. Because I I think I heard the the stat was uh when when he got drafted in eighty seven, the average team made shot. I think it was a, attempted like six threes a game. 
Mm-hmm. And by, you no, know, of course, the end of his career, he had set the all-time three-point mark, and the game was a lot different by the time he left. So he did have an impact on the game and its evolution. He just didn't have the final say on the three-point. It, it was more to come after him, unfortunately, mm-hmm. <laughs> with Ray Allen and, of course, you know, the Splash Brothers and everything mm-hmm. else. But he did help set things forward. And, you know, there, there's, a, there's a negative side to this as well that I'll go into later in the show. But, you know, it's, it, I, I'm, I'm still borderline with Reggie, man. But he did – it was like you had to be there. And also it helps that he's on TV every week. I, that's that's yeah, what I'll does. start with. Yeah, that's what I'll does. start with on the other side mm-hmm. of this. But Yeah, also you know, Bill Walton, get him out of here too. <laughs> well, Bill and Bill, that's that's sort of another thing there with Bill. But Bill Walton, look, look, me see, that's why Chris should be on here because Chris fought with me on on text about this, like, and 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 not and I knew that I know this, but I I was I was sort of being a devil's advocate for Paul Gasol in particular, mm-hmm. but uh and and uh uh Dwight, but Walton's peak is as good as any peak that there's been. As far as it just was really short. That's the it bad went long thing. enough. That's the thing. It, it was, it, it was short. It, but he's so, he's sort of like a Gale Sayers, man. Like he had like five years where he was untouchable. And then, you know, injuries injuries took him out the game. But that's, you know unfortunate. Dwight been playing the league for what? <laughs> but that that <laughs> hurts the white that hurts the white too. The the white been the scrub. I mean arguably a scrub for a few years and people's people look at that and be like man i can't i can't rock with you right now and and people still coming at his head his own teammate came at his head the other day it's like you gotta you you, you gotta finesse things man you gotta you gotta make people people like you too it is a popularity contest that's part of this too man uh, Dwight needs to be in there. You look at, look but at I think, like, I, yeah. I, I'm not arguing that, T. I'm not yeah. arguing that. But at mm-hmm. the same time, we know the steps we've seen in live time, the steps, the missteps mm-hmm. that Dwight has made. So he'll be on the top 100, but it just he just got to wait his turn. It's like Dominique. <laughs> Dominique didn't deserve it, but mm-hmm. he had to wait his turn. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just tired of people disrespecting Dwight Howard. Like he wasn't the second best player in the league for like three years with LeBron. He was dope. He was he was dope, man. He he he, he is he still is dope and to a degree, but he, he is like I'm, I don't I can't I understand it. I'm, I'm just that's all I'm saying. <laughs> man, what's crazy is Reggie didn't even make the um the original fifty. So now I mean in hindsight, I'm just thinking about this now. Like he didn't he didn't make the original original fifty. And then you got all this this next generation of players that's come in, and then you put them on this list. So, I mean, to Tony's point, I'm I'm, I'm kind of like you, Kyle. I'm, I'm on the fence, man, because I know what Reggie, as a fan of the Bulls and a fan of like '90s basketball, like Reggie did have a, a spot. Uh, he, scored, he scored spot. nine point. He scored nine six seconds in the Garden, man. Right, I know. I know Nick fans ain't got no problems with it being on that list the way he massacred them dudes, but yeah, I. I, I I see both sides, and it's hard for me to to plant both my feet on on one both my feet on one side of that fence, man. I don't know. They let Black Kyle Corver get into the top seventy five. Come on, man. Get wow. <laughs> 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 Dude, I, 
I'm going to have to kick you off now. You said you had 30 minutes. I'm going to have to kick you off. He started, started to take advantage of me now, T. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yo, yo, y'all scared of a black Kyle Corbin. <laughs> y'all Michael Jordan scared of black Kyle Corbin. Right. I'm saying, man, with disrespect. <laughs> He was not no Kyle if, Corbin. If Kyle Corbin was Reggie Miller, the Bulls would have a chip. I'm going to just say exactly. that. Exactly. They would have won one with, with Kyle Corbin. With black Kyle Corbin. Oh, man. You too much, too. You too much, man. Oh, my God, man. <laughs> We gotta get we gotta get you back on and, and talk some more about what's Definitely. going on, man. But uh appreciate you getting on with us here, man. And uh yeah, just been uh you know, congratulations on everything you got going, man. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, like I say appreciate the hookups and everything throughout the years. Mm-hmm. And you know, we gonna keep keep it keep it rising, man. You know, like, like I say, mm-hmm. he gonna when you know when you uh introducing the new CNN. In a few years, you know, <laughs> they would say that's my that's my dude, Tony, man. That's, hey, know. man, this yeah. Thank thanks a lot, for guys, for having me on. Anytime, just reach out, make it happen. Uh, you know, just stay tuned. Follow me on Twitter at the Tony Gill. Some, got some stuff in the works, you know. Uh, so just uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, and uh, you'll be able to keep up. Definitely, definitely. So a lot going on, man. So keep up with Tony, and uh, yeah. Definitely. Uh, thanks again, bro. We'll uh, get up with you soon. Yep. See y'all. All right, man. All right, Tom. My man said the black cow corver. Wow. Oh, yeah, really in on Reggie, man. It, it, it's hard. It's hard for me to to defend Reggie, man. I, I I have. That's not in my character, man. But. <laughs> but like, but I'm still like. Before the show, I told Tony, like, yeah, I'm on the fence about him, and I'm still sort of there. Like, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's tough, man. I don't know. Is, is there anybody, in y'all opinion, who just sort of sticks out with you and on, as far as the list with, you know, whether, whether they made it or not, you know, is, is there anybody who just, you know, you, you sort of hung up on? I was I was surprised. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh. No, I was gonna say that. I think for me, and I mentioned it in the chat, uh, never all in. For me, if you want to really put Reggie Miller in there, considering the argument that is there, in some ways, I feel like you can make. Even though he only made the finals one time, but now as a star player, I think you got to put T Mac in that conversation because he did change the game. From I I call him like the original Kevin Durant when you talk about his scoring ability from all over the floor, the effort and how effortlessly he did it at the, at a six ten height, which was uncommon during that time frame. He made an impact in the game in that regard. And you're talking about legendary moments that Reggie Miller had where he scored the nine points in six seconds in the garden. T-Mac scored his 13 points in the, in the last, what uh, I think it was 32 seconds or 37 seconds for the Rockets yeah. over the Spurs. Um, yeah. That was never been done before. Um, in his prime. So this is, I think T Mac at least has a case, even though you may not, people arguably won't put him in there. I think he still has a case to at least be recognized as part of 75 weeks, especially when you talk about the impact 
he's made on the game and the, and the fashion that he did. I mean, Kobe Bryant even said, God rest his soul, he even said that, you know, T-Mac, if he was T-Mac's height, it's a wrap because he did everything that Kobe Bryant did um, just at a higher height. He was just taller, which made it so hard for him to defend. So you talk about that on the court on a consistent basis, at, which at that time was unheard of. I mean, you, I think, I think just a, there's just a case that has to be made for him. Oh, okay. I, I, I agree there's a case. I'm, I think it's hard to put him of the list of people who didn't make it above people like, you know, even, even clay, you know, but definitely uh, Dwight and I say Dwight and uh, probably Bernard King and uh, a couple others of maybe even like a Matumbo, like, like these guys were dominant in ways that, you know, if you want to, if you want to appreciate the game holistically, like appreciate defense, appreciate, you know, uh, it, you know, just team play, you know, I think there's other guys who I, I would probably put before T Mac, but T Mac was definitely a hell of a player, and, and another guy who added on to the evolution of the league, and uh, you know, he it's, says it's, it's, it's tough, man. One, I guess. The one thing that I was, I was I've been thinking about since last week that I was going to sort of, uh, you know, uh, sort of propose is that over time I think the NBA should sort of think of separating the eras and doing something similar to what baseball has done, where you know baseball is sort of particular and, and it sort of has the the segregation that's involved with the sport, but also other factors like as well. But they, they've, they, they sort of have like a, a modern era and a, uh, you know, an a era before that. I, I, I forget what they say exactly what the, what the, uh, uh, the, the names, what the names of it are. The, the, but the NFL even more so has a particular split with the, uh, the merger era. Like it's pre-merger and, po- and post-merger, like when the AFL and the NFL combined and became the modern NFL, you know, uh, and you had the Super Bowl era too, and, and and everything. You sort of have that because you know you have that separation there because people ain't comparing Bronco Nagurski to Derrick Henry, and you know, yeah, yeah, or. Uh, you know, red red grains to uh to you know uh, to to Emmitt Smith or even or even uh Walter Payton, like it's a separation that's there. And I think with the NBA, you got to look at around that time they had a merger too, where you had the ABA coming in with the NBA. So I think they may want to think about using that era or maybe even. Like that seventy nine, that the nineteen seventy nine year when Magic and Bird entered the league, and also that's also the same year that the three point line was established in the league. Uh, I think you may want to look at you know n- you don't necessarily have to use it for statistics or anything because they that sort of played out itself. But in regards to these sort of listings and these 
groupings of greatest players and stuff like that. Because, you know, people are picking on some of these these black and white players, I call them, like, like Dolph Shays and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, some, you know, I saw today on, on uh, a guy who actually we talked about a, a few weeks ago and gave some flowers to JJ Reddick was sort of picking. He was like, he, he said on his podcast, like, I, I love to play Dolph Shays one on one and beat him and take his spot on the 75. <laughs> you know, People be people be doing doing them black and white players bad, man. It's like mm-hmm. you know, they couldn't help that the the game was only it was only reached a certain point at that time, you know, and in you know for whatever sociological reasons there were, they you know they weren't as segregated as baseball, but they did have you know so they had certain rules like you couldn't have two black players on the court at the same time, stuff like that. You know, all that funny stuff that went on back in the day. But, you know, you also – the game just wasn't coached and and players weren't, you know, uh, trained in the same way that they were then. It was, it was a lot of different things that factored in. And, uh, you know, so those players did – they dribbled with one hand and they, set, they did set shots and they did the things that they did. They did them well enough to be remembered. They, we shouldn't forget those players. If you want to be a real student of the game, you got to be able to factor in that those players and those moments from before you were born. But you know, you we still should be able to accurately and correctly uh, size up the players since then. And I think if you sort of, you may have to like say, as at some point, sort of take out those fifties and sixties. In, in early seventies, from out the out the fact, you know, out the equation, and maybe just look at things from bird and magic sense, and then you know we can have you know maybe a more accurate discussion, and we could factor in more of the more of the players that you know have made an impact then, and not necessarily uh, look over so many. Yeah, no, I like that idea, man. It kind of helps uh, keep everything. In proper context, going by errors or kind of getting a dividing line to separate, you know, when the game was this way compared to what it is now, kind of like the dial-up versus the wireless errors. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I like that. I like that idea. Um, but there's a small part of me that doesn't want to make it easier for the people that are gonna be doing these votes. Like, if these are the, are these if these are the greatest players ever, like it needs to be. A process. It needs to be like a little bit nerve wracking, a little bit stressful. Um, like it needs to keep you up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like I, that's the only thing. Like that little, yeah. that little small piece. Like um, but the guy, and the guy that that makes the guys who make it earn it. They they've yeah. they've earned it. And every, you know everybody. You know the people who did make it earned it. But I think you also have a factor of in the mod in in the current days where players sort of get. I think this is this is a phenomenon that happens too with Hall of Fame voting, where if a player sort of sticks around in the public spotlight a little bit more, or if they had more of a a better uh, relationship with the press and the public overall, they sort of get more of a benefit of the doubt, you know, with with things like this. And I think that's where certain things factor in with Reg, with a with a Reggie Miller or Bill Walton. 
And, you know, people are like, well, you know, this is a person who we associate with basketball still because we see him on TV every day talking about the game and whatnot. And, you know, they their 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 numbers may be a little negligent or they didn't win titles and stuff, but we still associate them with basketball. So, you know, let, let's bring them in. They, you know, and yeah, I, if you if you're more of a if you if you look at look at it with more of a a, a discerning eye like Tony does, you may you may have an argument on the other side. But you know, I don't know. It, it depends on how you look at it. No, for sure, for sure. I think the other the other small thing that this list uh, what kind of hit home for me is just the guys who were destined for for greatness to be on these lists, to be Hall, you know, well, some of them are Hall of Famers, but, you know, the Grant Hills, the Penny Hardaways, their yeah. roles in the world, man. Like, these guys were, they would have been um, some of the best players we've ever seen. Uh, they still are to a certain extent, but because they're, because of their injury history, we don't, we, we didn't get to see them, especially Derrick Rose, at his peak, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think he had what, three strong seasons before um, injury started taking his toll. And even though he's still, uh, uh, you know, he's still in a different way of force to be reckoned with nowadays. It's just, it's not what it was. Yeah. And, and it, it sucks. Like you can't really make, even though, you know, he, he's got to be one of the few MVPs who's, who's not on the list. Um, he's, he, but you so only him, only him and Jokic. Yeah. My problem to cut you off. Yeah, him and only. No, no, you're, you're fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Right. So it's only two. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, that's that's rough, man. So, but you can't really make that argument for D Rose at, at, in the top seventy-five. And you know, you look at someone like Grant Hill. People, people, some people were pushing for Grant quite a bit. You know, he's still, regardless, you know, in spite of his his uh, injuries. I think he's made like seven all NBA teams or something like that. So, you know, he's he's done a hell of a lot for himself. And Pete Grant Hill is like he was a star and he was he was a fantastic player, man. So, you know, it's it's it, it, you get so many, like I say, those type of stories are really in every generation. You got guys like that who just they they have so much talent and you guys too like in the 80s like Alex English and Adrian Adrian Dantley and people who scored mad points and played a lot of good ball but you know they did they got kind of pushed to the side in some ways like Adrian Dantley the story with him and in, in the in the Pistons man is kind of bogus man like he was they, he was there just just enough to see that they were about to win the title and just when they was about to win the title, they they pushed him out because he wasn't getting along with Isaiah and them. So he's like, yeah, "We got we gonna get you out the door." But hey, that that's that stuff happens, man. True, true. Part of the game, unfortunately. Yeah, as I say too, like with 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 Dwight, man, you got to deal with people, man, and people got to deal with you. And if people ain't feeling you; they ain't feeling you. So yeah. it sucks, yeah. but. Yeah, but uh, let, let's let's get back to some people who are currently popular, those bulls, and uh, you know, like I say no no real arguments of in or anything for how they doing so far. Uh, you know, I will throw it out to you guys. You know, we heard from Tony, 
his opinion on the on the early games. Josh, we we get some get some uh, get some words from you, man. What what's so your observances about the 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 Bulls in that first week or so? Um, a lot of talent, a lot of excitement, um, a lot of built-in chemistry, and a lot of trust in ways. Um, Tony actually hit it on the head to me when he said that Zach Levine finally has a go-to person that he can trust. If you watched the last game against the Raptors when the Bulls were league was derailing um, slowly but surely, DeMar DeRozan – to me, looked like the most calmest dude ever, leading that, leading that, end, leading the charge at the end of the game, and coming through with those big clutch shots to keep this team afloat and pretty much seal my deal. Um, and for him to do that, it's really what the Bulls need, especially since even though Zach Levine can do it, he can't do it all on his own. He needed someone that can go get a bucket every time, when especially when he has his off games, and then all the pressure is not on him to perform at such a high and efficient rate. DeMar DeRozan was the perfect slide-in for that, and it showed in that Raptors game. And because of that, that gives hope that when Zach Levine is not at his best, or quite frankly, you don't have to ask him to be at his best at every game because you have someone else you can rely on that is a veteran, that is a natural-born scorer, and someone that has shown that he that he, he, when he plays his own style of flow in the game, especially in the offense where Billy Donovan promotes flexibility um, based on their talents. DeMar DeRozan is the perfect slide-in next to a, a, a crazy scoring, uh, growing player in Zach Levine. And that showed in that Raptors game. I think for me, that was the biggest thing that really took place. Aside from the fact that they, the Bulls, you know, held on to the lead and ended up winning the games. And they're going to be more tested uh, with, with against the bigger and better over 500 teams as they go into this tough road stretch. But to me, the biggest thing was, okay, we actually have hope that there's someone else outside of Zach Levine that we can rely on in clutch game moments. Um, Lonzo Ball has been great with his jump shot and his three-point shooting uh, as, a, uh, as the season started off. He's been great defensively um, as well. But I think the key, the real key here is DeMar DeRozan, especially since many of these experts and many of these uh, senior writers and everything have bashed the Bulls all summer saying that this wasn't going to work. Uh, yeah. Raptors, pretty, this game against the Raptors showed that it can and it will work because of the trust that Zach Levine now has with DeMar DeRozan now DeMar DeRozan has been able to utilize what he's been able to do for all of his years in this league be a closer down the stretch especially when Zach Levine is not consistently um, hitting him and that's one of the biggest differences that really played the way especially for this Raptors game so it gives hope and as long as that Hope continues and player and those players continue to continue to show up. Oh yeah, the sky the sky's the limit for the Windy City. But that's to me one of the biggest takeaways that I took from. Yeah, that's yeah. You, you yeah, well said there, Josh, man. And it's you know, the right yesterday and you know, that's his first signature game as a bull. And you know, going back to like you said, the response when he signed with the Bulls uh, over the offseason. It was so, you know, for those who were just so vehemently against it, it was, you know, what are you, what are you saying? Like, you don't, you, you acted like they really didn't really, they proved that they didn't really follow the Bulls that well last year. And they didn't realize how much in need the Bulls were of a closer, 
of a fourth quarter score. And they were people were hung up on these things like, well, he doesn't shoot threes, you know, particularly well and this, like, you know, you know, that's why I hate so much the absolute way that certain people look at the game. They try to they they try to build every team in the same way and they fit try to fit every team into the same mold. And you know, there has to be room for in a specific or a, a unique uh chemistry that you know you want to take on for themselves. Every trying to be golden state, everybody ain't trying trying to be the Lakers or the and the Bulls uh, you know have had the confidence in themselves to build the team that they wanted to build. And and what do you know? They gotta they give they're getting off to the start of the season that they wanted to get. And they've shown the difference in competing that you know that we all wanted to see in them for you. You know, because they've had the confidence to build build the team that they wanted to and they just back off of trends and copycat of the teams in the league. You know, there's less to be learned, you know. Oh, for sure. For sure. It's man, just think about it. Like the, the Bulls made five shots in the fourth quarter and DeMar hit three of those. So I mean his 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 impact, his poise. Um, you know, I, I said most of last season that I, I wanted the Bulls to get somebody, somebody, some free agent that kind of had that asshole personality that could hold his teammates accountable and make sure, like, the effort was always there. There were some times, you know, the losses against Cleveland, um, the Thunder, some of those losses where you feel like if there was a different a different voice in the locker room, somebody would have, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, got them boys to snap back quick, like, come on, man. That we we better than this. Yeah. Let's finish it out and move on. And I think even that during the game, you could if you had that exactly. voice. Exactly. Like you could have you could have got out of the holes during them games. Like like yesterday was a good example. They let what they let Toronto in to like what three three points in that fourth quarter. And how many times? Like say those fans, we 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 got PTSD from how many times in the past they've let teams back into games and given up games like that. But you know they held on this time. But go ahead. Drew. Yeah, I'm not. No, I'm not gonna lie. I'm watching that game in the fourth quarter, man. Just felt like they were, they were playing not to lose. Toronto fans were in it the whole game, but especially in that that one that one part of it, it felt like old high school games playing in playing at Hale's Franciscan or Leo when the crowd is just on your neck and it just feels <laughs> like it's spiraling out of control and there's no way to get it back. But the Bulls, to their credit, like we all have said. Um, they were able to get that win uh, and be able to take the lessons from it and, and keep moving on. So it's like a it's like a win win for them for sure. Ain't nothing ain't nothing like one of them tight Chicago Catholic school jails, man. When you, <laughs> you <laughs> sitting there, they throwing these turnovers. Lonzo Ball had three turnovers and Caruso had two and they had seven total just in that fourth quarter, where they only had five leading into that fourth quarter. So it was is this. It mm. felt like, man, this, this is snowballing. They about to blow this game. Like, we're going to be here talking about how Zach was this close to his fourth straight win again. So, I'm, I'm just I'm, – I'm happy that they were able to mm. pull it out, um, even though it was hard to watch there in that fourth quarter. Yeah, that's another stat that uh, arose from yesterday. Uh, Zach Levine, for the first time as a pro, for the first time since UCLA – Getting the four wins, bro. That is, 
Man, God bless him, man. You <laughs> 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 play that long, man, and, and can't get four wins in a row after, you know, I'm, it, it makes me think in a way to, you know, not to, I'm, I'm not going to talk about the Bears, but but you, we, we, I think we all, we all saw how Justin Fields reacted, uh, or heard of how he reacted after the game Sunday, and seeing in real time a young man who, you know, he he's had some adversity in the game, you know, like when you know he didn't, he lost a job in Georgia and he had to transfer to Ohio, but he's never known the game of football to be as challenging as it is, you know, in the, in the game sense where, you know, you just can't, you get on that field, you just can't do shit. <laughs> and, you, and, and you're getting your ass kicked. Mm-hmm. And you know, in, say, in a similar way, Zavine had to deal with that for, you know, how how many years in the league now? Like eight, nine yeah, or eight, something? Eight. Oh, yeah. yeah, like with with the tip the Timberwolves and the Bulls just horrible year and you can't even win four games like the the will within him and the self that exists in him is very admirable. You know, not only he didn't just, he didn't give up on his team and give up on himself. He's still the better player and to be Best to be, and he's playing better ball each and, and see how confident he's been starting shooting threes and you know shooting longer range at longer ranges and you know putting up that he's that he's putting up. He's you know he's doing a great job. He's he really is like you know I'm I'm he's really saying I'm a number one out here and he uh, you know just he, he's doing everything he can to prove that. Yeah, and I think one of the other components that's overlooked that, especially in that Raptors game, but especially down the stretch, Zach Levine actually stepped up defensively um, mm. to stop, uh, especially when he was guarding Fred Van Fleet, to make sure that, you know, to put the clamps when necessary. He actually stood up defensively, which is something that we know he was capable of doing, but he never really knew how to do it or was that good at it until he actually yeah. learned what it was like to be around great talent like that at Team USA camp. And to see how they play defense, to see the emphasis of the culture there, this is where we talked about how Team USA really transformed Levine's overall game. Because it wasn't just him offensively. We knew offensively, offensively what he could do. But during the Olympics in the summer, what really stood out was his defense and him focusing on the defensive end to help Team USA bring that goal. That has transpired to this current uh, situation now with the Bulls and with Billy Donovan being a defensive-minded coach um, who is also, you know, has his offensive um, philosophies and things of that sort. Zach Levine, I think I think bringing over DeMar DeRozan and the other talent that they did actually helped Zach Levine more of a balance where now he doesn't have to focus on just scoring all the time. He can actually play defense. And not just play any kind of defense on anybody, but actually guard the best players when necessary defensively. And it's show, and some of that showed, especially down the stretch in the in the last game against the Raptors. So hopefully we'll see more of that throughout the season. But um, it's a good sign to see that Zach Levine is actually focused and dedicated to the defensive end 
as good as much as he is compared to his previous years he's been here in, in Chicago. Yeah, I think that, that's that, always that, great to see. That's always great to see with a player dedicates himself to defend defending because it's easy to 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 gun out there, you know, if you got the talent. But if you really sacrificing your body and your your spirit out there to 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 stop the other team, that's that's what leaders do, and that's what you know. Leonard has been set here in Chicago for that. Jordan did that. Pippen did that. Rose did that. So, you know, if you're going to be a number one in Chicago, you better defend and, uh, you know, give that effort uh, on both ends of the court. Go ahead, Drew. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, what this team is, you know, probably more surprising than anything, the defense that they play is just an extension of that. Like, these guys are flying around. The rotations look crisp. They're communicating. Um, active hands, like, like no no ball no uh, ball handler is safe out there, man. Especially with Lonzo Ball, like being able to see him up close, pretty much since since uh, UCLA. I haven't been able to watch him like this since that. Seeing him and and seeing the way that he moves his feet and uses his body, uh, swipes at the balls. Even uh, Vucevic, um, you know, he gets a lot of flack for his defense, but he can he can be an anchor or, or a better defender when the, when he's, when the teammates around him allow him to be, you know, he's not, he's not Rudy Gobert. He's not going to be at the rim deterring shots, blocking shots, but he can move his feet side to side. He can um, get his hands in passing lanes. I think he's averaging um, 2.3 steals a game right now. So um, that mm-hmm. I don't, I doubt that's going to last, but it just shows the kind of activity that he's giving on that side of the ball. And uh, given the fact that he's, shooting so poorly that means even more that he's not just you know out there kind of humming and hawing around because he can't get a shot to fall like he's actually putting forth that effort on the defensive side of the ball which speaks to him the rosen and levine even though they are you know they're not youngsters anymore especially levine especially on the rosen and vucevic but all three of those guys for different reasons all have it all have a chip on their shoulder um and something to prove even in you know, this point in their careers. And, and I, you know, that's sort of a common uh, criticism. If there's been one in the, past, in the, in the past, the opening week is uh sort of the way that uh, uh, Vucevic has played, you know, uh, shot at, at least uh, on offense. And there's been some other things too. Like I saw a dude uh, get on, um, on P will uh, for a game yesterday. And, uh, you know, sort of comparing them to Scotty Barnes, which, you know, he had a pretty good game on the other side of Florida, Florida State guy. And uh, compared some other body else they mentioned in the tweet to another 20-year-old or whatever. But anyway, but, you know, I think the the the, the good thing about this team and the thing is, is an aspect that we haven't had with recent Bulls teams is that they are deep enough and tight enough to where all the guys have to be hitting all at the same time. You know, so, you know, if Vucevic, like, like you just said, Drew, if Vucevic isn't necessarily shooting well, but giving an effort in other ways, rebounding defense and stuff, then he's going to make, he's going to get through, uh, you know, these, this sort of time where he's still finding his shot or whatever. And, you know, people may look, you know, want him to average 20 and 10 for a whole year. He may not do that, but he may not have to. And that's one of the beauties of that's some of the beauty about this team right now with if you got six or seven guys who could average 
somewhere between 25 and 15, you don't need Vucevic to score as much as uh as he would have that you would have wanted him to score last year or in a previous year in this Bulls team. So, you know, you know, just be easy about that, you know. <laughs> Especially with someone like Patrick Williams, it's like, you know, I I just don't understand the criticism there at this point. You know, if he if if he if his whole season sort of plays out this way, then maybe yeah, maybe we should reevaluate him some. But you know, just four games into the season and one game in particular where he happened to play against another Florida State product. You know that's you know that, that don't make sense to me to get on them for having a, a, a you know a, a relatively subpar day, and you know especially when he didn't hurt the team. You know the team, you know, could produced in many other ways around. Yeah, it's it's um, it's it's a little slippery with Patrick Williams, man. I'm definitely not out on him by any means, by any stretch of the imagination, and I didn't see the tweet that you're talking about, but I can I can you know kind of assume where it was going. I think it, it stems from last year and, and has more so to do with just the lack of aggressiveness and assertiveness, you know, ha- having to be told day in and day out that you are this guy, that you are this good, that you can be this good, you have this much potential. Like having to be told that, you know, constantly almost it seems like, um, and it's still not quite clicking. Um that, that does worry me a little bit, uh, not so much with this roster, with the way that it got reshaped over the summer, but, you know, um, if his role was different, if we came into this season with the expectations that he would be a number two, number three guy, right? you know, it's different. Um, but like I said, I'm not really to give up on him, but it, him and Barnes, man, it's Barnes just plays with a different ferociousness, man. Not everybody plays like that. I'm not, I'm not, you know, Tim Duncan wasn't a rah, rah, fiery guy, but he still he still did what he did. Um right. but I just I just would like to see a little more assertiveness from from P. Will. And he's got to be put in some better positions too. I think Billy Donovan experimented a little bit with him at the five um against uh was it Detroit, I think. Um and he showed some flashes there. I, I think. He can do some of those thing, same things that Thad Young did for us last year. It just takes repetition, and hopefully, you know, we start to see him start to meet that potential, even if he's not getting those scoring opportunities, just being able to play make a little bit um, out of pick and rolls with whomever, you know. Mm-hmm. And like you said, baby, you know, get some, some effort points off, you know, rebounds and stuff like that, transition. You know, there's other ways he again that that he can impact the game as well. Just mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, that, that the aggression does matter, and you know he's got to want to make those plays as well as certain. Yeah, but uh, yeah. quick so with uh, I want to get back the whole uh the the eventual schedule that the Bulls are going to be playing. I think uh, uh one tweeter Elias Schuster. Uh, kind of put it, uh, put it out there pretty nicely. I'm gonna show a screen here. Uh, let's see, the so, yeah, the bull, the Bulls got some got some games coming up. Uh, starting this Thursday, uh, with New York coming in 
off to a good start and feeling themselves quite a bit. So this is what Elias Schuster said. If you thought the first four Bulls games were fun, buckle up. Uh, <laughs> you see it starts right here on Thursday, Saturday, uh, you know, still at home with the with Utah, who's going to be a competitor in the West. Then you start going on the road, Boston and Philly for two in a row. Philly comes here, Brooklyn comes here, Dallas, and then the West Coast trip, first West Coast trip, uh, Friday, November twelfth. I think I'm a, I'm gonna try to do a show before that game. I'm, I'm, stay tuned for that. But uh, you know that's gonna be an ESPN game, so the the whole country's gonna be seeing the Bulls for the first time there uh, at Golden State. Then that Sunday at the Clippers, and they stay in LA for the next day, back to back in LA. Uh, so they, they won't even get any chance to party in LA, man. They they kind of bogus. <laughs> <laughs> they got to play the Lakers the next day. Then they got to go up to Portland and mess with Dame and them. Then you got Denver. Then you got uh, New York waiting on you back home and uh, Indiana right after that. So, you know, leading up to Thanksgiving, man, it's going to be uh, quite a quite a challenge for the Bulls. Uh, you know, what are y'all just, you know, looking at that uh, the stretch of games, you know, you know, we don't necessarily have to predict anything. Now, you know, what do you think that stretch of games is going to say about this team potentially? Well, I'm glad we won the first four. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we won the first four. But this is going to be this this next stretch of games against above 500 teams and most of them playoff teams. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to show what the Bulls are truly made of. And if they really are, well, it's going to show what the ceiling really can be for this team. Um, Because if you think from a ceiling perspective, many can say, you know, they have a chance to be maybe a three or four seed in the East. They have to be a second round uh, playoff team. They shouldn't be having to play in the play-in tournament. You know, that that should be the standard and the ceiling of how high and how far this currently constructed Bulls team should go. However, you know, we can make all the predictions you want, but, at, but if they don't show up, they're not going to show up. And I think this stretch is going to show what time, what type of team this really is and how far they really can go. Um, they should be, they should be all right. They should be fine. Games should be somewhat, you know, pretty close. Um, and they have the versatility offensively and defensively and defensively to keep up with these teams. Um, so they should do better as far as competing competent in the competition perspective against these, five, these playoff teams. But last year was a struggle for them. They, they, they didn't just sh- – they showed up for some of these games against the best, but, you know, on road trips, depending on the team, they also struggled and didn't stay afloat. They let the, they let the rope go a little bit. Um, you're going to go through a similar stretch here playing on all these games, and some of them are back-to-backs. So I'm, I'm going to be paying attention to see what really – what the ceiling is for this team. Is going to be based on this long stretch of playoff games, pretty much. That the Bulls last year struggled um, for the most part, and not the, and and in some games really couldn't even compete. So obviously, it's a different year, different team, different uh, roster structure. Structure. So therefore, they sh- you know we, they should be at least pretty decent and keeping games interesting and comp- and competitive. But this is really going to show what 
ceiling and how really good this Bulls team can be considering last year where playing against the best of the best, you went on prime time, you didn't always get your best results from the team. Yeah, um, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, Kyle. It, it's not put up a shut up time because it's too early for all that, but it's something like it. It's like a precursor. You know, uh, Levine wants to win. The Rosen wants to win. Vucevic wants to win. Uh, that's the reason why AK or Acme brought these guys in um, and decided to kind of hitch their hitch their uh, futures to Levine. At least that's what it looks like for now. It's because they believe in the team that they put together, and they believe that it can go to a certain certain destination. And this this group of games that got coming up is against some of the best and the best in the league. So this is it right here, man. You guys want to you want to shut up the 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 pundits who didn't think you guys really had what it what it took uh, or what it takes to be a champion or question your fit. This is it right here. This is it right here. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's early in the schedule, but you can still shut a lot of people up the way you have with these first four games. There's still a yeah, but to these first four games, if you win you know, half of these games, more than half of these games, then no more yeah buts. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, get all the wins you can, man. Get yourself in the position as early as you can to to be in the playoffs. So then if you have any sort of, uh, you know, uh, time where you may slump towards the middle or the end of the season, it won't necessarily kill you, you know. You know, you know if you can – if you can take – if you could uh, take advantage of the element of surprise in any way, you know, make it happen. You know, get, you know, see how see how many games you can steal off of these these already established playoff teams. You know, Drew, any of these any of these games stick out to you as far or or maybe like do you have any more anticipation for any of these games than yeah. yeah as, they did to stick out in that way, I should say. Oh, for sure, for sure, Thursday night. That's that's like that. That feels like a, a finals game, man. Just <laughs> all the elements that are that are going into it. You know, D Rose and Thibs and Taj in the house, Joaquin Noah night. Um, New York <laughs> kind of getting a step ahead of us in terms of getting back in the playoffs last year, and we're still on the outside looking. The Bulls are still on the outside looking in, so. Definitely, that's that's the first one, first and foremost, man. Um, if, if the Bulls win that one, we should go to the UC and do a video like they did in front of the Garden <laughs> after they beat Boston. <laughs> we should. We need to do that. It's a lot of Knicks fans talking a lot of trash, man. Yeah. Talking a lot of trash, for real. Um, other than that, all of these games, man, like are pretty tough, man. Um I think that that LA back to back man, I I just man. I want to see what comes of that man. That's that's a hard one. Like they could get at least two off in between or something, <laughs> man. But you know, they that's, they you know it's gonna be a challenge. It definitely is gonna be a challenge, man. Um, they I'm I'm just looking forward to that stretch again. I, I, you know, a lot of us are. Uh, I don't want to say worry, but we're just looking at it like, damn, this is going to be a, a quite the mountain to climb. But I'm excited as hell, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's no reason to feel like, oh, we're gonna get ran through these. They're gonna get ran through these games necessarily. You just want to see what happens, you know. And if yeah. there's a palpable excitement that could be on the other side of these games, if they 
managed to get out of them with a winning record mm-hmm. or, you know, something like that. You know, they could, they could really surprise us here. And, but they you know you also do got to leave a little space for disappointment. Like if maybe, maybe they won't show out the way that we want and maybe they'll, they'll take some bumps, but, you know, it, it won't necessarily be the end of things if that if that's the case, you know. True. That's true. That's true. I thought they had a thing. Oh, there it is. Um, one thing I'll add, the games against, like this Utah game coming up following New York, the games against teams that have a shooting guard that's been compared to or put on a pedestal above Zach Levine, those are games I'm looking at too. Okay. Yeah, the Utah games, the the Phoenix games, the Washington games, definitely kind of mark those on my calendar to see what happens. Uh, not only between the matchups, um, if they even guard each other, but just the outcomes. Because sure. we saw what we saw what winning did for Devin Booker and his reputation, and I think that the same thing can happen for Levine and uh, how people around the league or the people around the country think of him uh, moving forward. That's 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 good call, Drew. That's a good storyline. Definitely see the, the continued maturation of Levine and you know how his individual competitive streak is gonna uh you know uh figure itself out in this in these games. Like, yeah, you know, because is is he gonna try to be the best player on the court each time <laughs> with these games, you know? So yeah, that's gonna that's definitely that's definitely something to look at. Uh yeah, but before we before we wrap up though this this session, you know, you guys got anything that uh across the league as we you know we looked at the Bulls, they're gonna see quite a few of the better teams across the league in the next month. You know, any anything from those teams or any other teams that uh stood out for you in in this opening week? I mean, just. I don't think there's really many crazy storylines per se for me, except for the two headlines of, you know, obviously Kyrie and, and Ben Simmons. I think we won't really know or pay attention to um, these other teams that are playing like that until we figure out what's really going to go down with all the drama that's been happening in the league regarding its vaccination statuses, as well as uh, CBA, uh, f- the future of the CBA deals in regarding how players have handled them, handled their exits from their current franchises, like Jimmy Butler did, James Harden did, uh, now Ben Simmons is trying to do. Um, I think those are the biggest things that will always dominate the league until it gets resolved. And we, and we only started, you know, within the first week of games, you know, the teams that show are showing the most, um, highlight reel I guess maybe or the most fun per se is the teams that we always know are going to do it you know the Bucks the Bucks winning the way that they did um even though the the Nets you know have already lost and everything it James Harden and Kevin Durant still putting on crazy shows um go to State Warriors Steph Curry going crazy um you know it's always going to be some type of you know major event from a game perspective that's going to come and this and what we've seen uh, this first week outside of the Bulls really doesn't surprise me. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the, head, it's the headlines are what drive the audience. And currently the headlines is what's going on with Ben Simmons and the Sixers as a whole, considering they just lost to the Knicks tonight. 
Um, <laughs> and the fashion that they were doing, because the score really kind of saved them, because they were down by like 23, 23, 25 plus before uh, that they before they had that double digit uh, loss lessened to I want to think it was 13 or 14. But you know the Sixers came out flat, and they're not looking right. Um, the Nets are doing pretty good so far, but you know what's gonna what's gonna be up with Kyrie and what he's gonna do. Um, so I think that's what's gonna really dominate uh, the headlines and really even dominate opening week, and it will be for a while until we until those situations are resolved. Yeah, see how many yep. games the Nets can play without a, a crowd uh, rushing in on them, and, uh, <laughs> you know, protesters rushing in on them or whatever, you know. Yeah, little little things that kind of caught my eyes, just um, the slow starts by Brooklyn and, and, and L.A. I think Brooklyn's like the A.C. right now. Um, I think the Lakers, I don't know, they, they might have started out like 11th before this night started. I think LeBron is out uh, tonight in their game. Yeah. Nobody, Spurs, expects yeah. These, yeah. nobody expects these teams to stay where they are. But just the fact that they came out the gate so slow, like Brooklyn got <laughs> – they got hammered in that opening game against Milwaukee, man. Um, and James Harden is, is particularly starting out slow. Um, shooting pretty bad from, from the field, 36% from the from the field, 32% from the three-point line. Like, when have you known James Harden to, to shoot that poorly unless he was trying to get out of somewhere, <laughs> out of some city? <laughs> off the they, they, um, got, they got check if he got a fat suit on him. <laughs> <laughs> so just paying attention to that in the West, uh, Minnesota's the fifth seed right now, so kind of seeing if they can. They got some talent there. See if they can hang on to that. Um, the Kings are an interesting story. I don't expect them to make the playoffs, but a play-in might be possible. Um, John Morant leading the league in in points per game at thirty-five. He killed. Uh, that's, the, yeah, that's the, a, he, that's he's, he's looking like yeah, yeah. He, he's looking like some hybrid of Derrick Rose and Allen Iverson. Man, like it's crazy. Yeah. Child, yeah, Child looked like he he about had enough of missing the playoffs. So I think the Grizzlies, that's the team you gotta look for. And I think in the East, you no, know, the Hornets may be making some yeah. noise, man. They they played a pretty good game against Boston yesterday. Boston actually edged them out. But uh in Boston too, actually showing a little spark early on. Mm-hmm. So I mean mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how, how things play out, you know. But uh yeah, like like y'all say, you know. Yeah, definitely the L.A., the Lakers, and to a degree the Clippers and and New York seem to be uh, existing as the these you know twin uh, center points of, of of attention for the you know for the league right now. You know, where you got the Knicks and Brooklyn, you know, over in the in the two L.A. teams in the West. So, but Golden State, it looks like they're ready to reclaim something in the West as well, and. You know, it's, it's going to be interesting. Miami may be in the may be a similar case in the East too, where you look at the way that they played against. Uh, they they had a good win against Milwaukee, and of course Milwaukee still there. Milwaukee had that bad loss in in Miami, but they played pretty well outside of that. So you know, it's it's a lot of a lot of uh, interesting stuff to see with the league. Uh, you know, we we going definitely have a lot to talk about going forward. You know, we're in Chicago and elsewhere. So, you know, keep rocking with us, running with war. Uh, we'll, you know, like I said, I think be on every Tuesday going forward for the time being. 
But I, I'm gonna try to do some special stuff too. Like I, I think I, I think I want to do like a pregame show for that uh, that that first game again of the road trip against uh, uh, Golden State. <laughs> so uh, you know, keep keep tuned, keep uh, keep on with us with that. Stay tuned for that and other stuff that we do. And of course, uh, you know, Monday night means we got that every Monday. Me and Drew and. Uh, and, I, and, and from what I hear, we'll have m- new episodes of uh, the In the Scope coming from Josh. So that's going to be pretty fun. Yeah, so, and beyond that, anything else that you want to plug? Anything before we sign off? Nah, just be on, just be on the uh, on the lookout for the latest content. I'm, you know, I'm gonna try and do some more writing with everything going on and then basically the starting. So I'm going to try to get back into some of that, but for sure, like you said, ITS going to get, try to get back into some of that as well. So, you know, a lot of more, a lot of good things coming your way. So just be on the lookout for that. We have to start doing some college talk too in a little bit. You know, uh, I know, you know, Jack Brown, Florida, DePaul, and, uh, you know, a lot of stuff in the region is going to be going about, so you know, try to try to stay on the on the on the beat with that as well, and um, yeah, like I say, it's, it's basketball, man. We got a lot, to, no lack of stuff to talk about in uh, in the hoops world. So we'll try to give you some more exclusives, some more interviews with uh, you know, like like what we did with Tony. You know, take you into the processes and the careers of some other exciting writers and media folks in the basketball world uh, with this show uh, going forward and, you know, just do some more fun stuff, man. And, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty much, pretty much all we could say for now, but uh, we'll be back next week. Check us out. War media on all the major platforms on uh, YouTube. Subscribe to us on YouTube. You'll be able to be informed whenever live streams, join us on our live streams, you know, and uh, chat with us just like I did today. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's it, man. Uh, IG, Twitter, Facebook, all that. You know, you could catch us on all those platforms doing that thing. Uh, Drew, your tag. Uh, look what Drew did on IG and Twitter. Open 24 7. Check me out. <laughs> all types of good basketball. And else, another talk from him, and and of course, Josh at Josh M Hicks Media Instagram and the Twitter. Be on the lookout <laughs> for everything. And me, Kyle means means matters on the Twitter and K mean on IG, and keep uh keep rocking and supporting with uh, NBC Chicago as well. So. Um, like I say Tony doing his thing with them. I'm doing thing as well, putting out content I'm on the daily. I mean, Tony, we need that jingle back on uh on Bears Talk, man. <laughs> the jingle, oh, okay. We need a little jingle he used to do, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bears, yeah, you got the talk on the center podcast. Uh, shout out to Kid. Davis over there with yes, saying, man, we, we getting around, man. Getting around, you know. Josh on the, on the DePaul page. Uh, you know, Drew went on Tap Sports Net along with us, man. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I say y'all better catch up, man. Y'all better catch up. Yes, sir. <laughs> but in the meantime, we just gonna keep the thing, and we gonna keep bouncing as is. Till next time, peace out.